Hello, it is Coach Us Up Chuck Wednesday, October 13th, 2021 years after the year zero was founded. Adam Thielen stops by today for an incredible conversation about the state of the Minnesota Vikings. What's Kirk Cousins and Zimmer all about? They like each other. What's the momentum like behind the scenes? How's the Vikings doing? How's he doing? It's a great conversation. Obviously, Chuck Pagano joins us for Coach Us Up Chuck. And there's a lot to talk about in the coaching world. AJ's here. The boys are here. And we can't thank you enough for being here. If you enjoy this thing by the end of it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never, ever happened. Let's get to it. Say dumb things about the sports world that sometimes make sense, sometimes ending up being 100% accurate, sometimes are used by other people to make their case a clearer one. For instance, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to win the fucking Stanley Cup. Yeah, okay, yeah. been saying it for a long time. Oh, yeah. I've been saying it for the last five years, every single day, and they have it. But today, I am saying with conviction, hockey is back. Okay, they're using Stadium Series sky cams on the new coverages as opposed to the NBC coverage that it always was. Shout out to NBC, hell of a run with hockey. Good, Good run. Good run. I mean, it wasn't really seen by anybody. Uh, no. Never. Except for like the die. Hey, way to go, MVC. Hey, good job, MVC. You lose Doc, you lose the NHL. Hey, you lose Doc Emmerich, and, and I haven't seen Pierre. No. Uh, Where the uh, fuck is Pierre? I don't know, but I'm you saying. Got a job. Anyways, NBC was always its own broadcast for hockey for a long time, and the commissioner of the NHL, Mr. Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman actually came out and said, if ESPN does half as good promoting us as they did as freezing us out of their coverage when they didn't have our rights when we were on NBC, he said he thinks we'll be fine. I agree. ESPN committed a lot of time to the NHL yesterday. There was oh, yeah. a lot of conversation around the NHL yesterday. Sidney Crosby was doing national interviews for the first time I've ever seen his fucking... It was a terrible interview. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, there was nothing learned or said or nope. exciting at all, which... Classic. That's hockey, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is hockey. But at least his face was out there getting introduced to a lot of sports fans. People that are normally interested in competition are getting introduced to an incredible sport via the new platform that is ESPN and also going to be Turner with Wayne Gretzky and Biz and them. That's going to be incredible coverage. Rupper on the NHL Network crushing it. I think this is a great time to become or be a hockey fan. And with that being said, you have your team. You saw them last night. They kicked off the NHL fucking season against the back-to-back -back champs and absolutely put a beat done on the Lightning. The Pittsburgh Penguins are your team. We're without the two best players in hockey and two best players on the team. We win 6-2 against the reigning champs. No big deal. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights also played against the Kraken. Yep. Brand oh. new squad. Kraken, uh, fun fact. The only completely defeated NHL franchise. Yeah. Has never that franchise has never won a game. Ever. Think Ever. about that. I don't know if you want to be a fan of that team. You'd rather be a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Joining me today, a man who grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's the host of Hammer, Dang. which runs 15 minutes after this show ends every single uh, Monday through Friday at YouTube.com forward slash Hammer. Dang. Grew up in Pittsburgh, city of champions, sure. hockey time. Wow. And he is somehow now a Seattle Kraken fan. Ooh, you got whoa. a chance to see your team lose last night. It's great to be in the middle of hockey season. Listen, it's football season. Do not get it twisted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This show cannot and will not become a hockey-dominant 
show. Never. But there's a lot to celebrate today as the Penguins are undefeated and hockey is now going to be seen by more people, we think, with the network realignment. We'll see how that goes. Tom Diggs, you grew up in Hockey Town. Pittsburgh Penguins won numerous Stanley Cups while you yeah. were living there. How are you not a Pittsburgh Penguins fan? How are you a Pittsburgh Pirates fan? And how does it feel knowing that you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, the consummate loser of a franchise, Pittsburgh Pirates, now you're a fan of a hockey team that has zero wins in the Seattle Kraken. What is this all about? Why is this the case, Tom? It's a 1A, 1B situation for the Pens and uh, Kraken for me. But here's what happens. I have Nick knows this. I have always... Oh, gotten into it with Penguins fans in the city because um, some of them are Penns fans first over Steelers, and that irks the fuck out of me. Mm, okay. How that you could be in Pittsburgh and root for the Pens more than you root for the Steelers, uh, and that drives me insane. So I've always had a little issue with the Pens fans, not the team. The Pens fans first. Well, and I think you also have an issue with people who potentially are fans of players as opposed to teams. Yes. And growing up in mm. Pittsburgh, Pens were my team, and I was a fan <laughs> of players in the NFL. So I assume that would piss 10 digs off if I was to have a conversation with them. But there's, uh, there is not an, a majority of people in Pittsburgh that way. But the Penguins are a widely backed team in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. And I, growing up a, a hockey fan, growing up a Penguins fan. Also because the Igloos one of the only places you can get tickets to go that were reasonably priced as a family, I think. So okay. that is potentially why I became a fan. You start meeting people that aren't from hockey towns, though. They have no idea what hockey is. It's the worst sport of all time. Why the fuck are you watching these Russians and Canadians and Finnish people skate around on ice, hit each other, and chase a little tiny puck that you can't see the entire time? I'm like, no, no, no. Watch the sport. I'm very lucky that I grew up in a place that had a great hockey team, and I think the masses getting introduced to hockey is great for hockey. With that being said, Boston fan, Boston Connor, mm -hmm. the Bruins haven't played yet. What? They play tonight? No, they play actually Saturday. Oh, uh, the thing Yikes. about you know Boston, Saturday. it's so much different Saturday. from your Nobody's guys' rinky watch. dink no. sports town. Nobody's going to watch on Saturday. Well, I mean, we got the ALCS on Friday. I mean, nah, we're focused on baseball right now. We're in the playoffs. Every single one of our teams goes to the playoffs. Patriots, maybe not last year, but the other three did. And now this year, all four are going to go. We're in the semifinals, basically, to put the, uh, if you will, conference championship in the NFL. That's what we're in in baseball right now, okay? I'm freaking out. I'm on the edge of my seat right now for baseball season. I mean, all systems go Listen, for the Red Sox. I understand Boston has had a long, long, too long of a run of success in all of their sports. Uh, across yeah. the board. Across the board. All <laughs> Every every league. Yep, even the PLL. Every sport. No. Yeah, that's right. I understand that you guys have had this incredible sustain of success via your professional sports teams. My entire life. Now, I understand that is the only existence that you understand mm -hmm. as a 26-year-old Bostonian masshole, whatever the case. That's right. But don't you think because of that, you guys don't get to focus in on one particular team as much? Oh, yeah. Because your, your heart has to be spread so thin because there's so nope. much success up there that you could never express the amount of love that Pittsburgh has for the Penguins because the Pittsburgh Pirates are never going to win. So nobody even invests any emotion in that. They invest all their emotion in the Pittsburgh Penguins because they know I have wasted energy toward the Pirates. I think that is something that you guys, totally. drunk on success, mm -hmm. overdosing on championships mm -hmm. up there, could never understand. No, see, what you don't understand 
understand is, Pat, Boston's a very big city. It has a lot of places. And remember, we're talking it's about... not that big of a city. Hold on, hold on. We're talking about New England, okay? We're not just talking about Massachusetts. Okay. Right. New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine. What? All those states together? How come nobody else is doing that for you? <laughs> well, I don't know, probably because, like I said before, they don't. you guys don't understand. We don't just have one or two good teams. We have four oh, good teams. Oh, hate us because I ain't us. Exactly. Yeah. So what we do is everyone is Patriots first, and then we, as a community, decide, all right, now we split up here. Half go to basketball, half go to hockey, and then when everybody's in the playoffs, we're all full systems go there. So right now, everyone's like, Boston? Oh, yeah, that's right. Red Sox. It's Red Sox season. Oh, it's so you guys just have different uniforms, basically. Oh, no. Yeah. We, everyone buys a jersey for every team. I mean, you saw it. Mac Jones, number two, right there on the jersey sales. Red Sox, don't even get me started. Everyone's what a run. Got a hey, Sox what a jersey. run for that mass hole community up yeah. there. Oh, it's incredible. Congratulations. Congratulations. Good luck to the Red Sox, by the way. Yeah, hey, baseball season right here. Hey, the other Sox, the White Sox, South Side. Yeah, they stink. They're gone. They're gone. Good run. And who's all left over there in the baseball room? Strohs and Sox. Okay. And then on the other side, it's going to be the Braves versus either the Dodgers and Giants. Hey, I saw Chipper Jones catch two foul balls going over to net right where he was sitting. Oh, yeah. He caught him. Chipper's Chipper. Oh, he caught one. He dropped the other one. Yeah, I didn't see the catch. I only saw the drop. Oh, he caught one the day before. Oh. I don't know how you do that. I used to go to games with a fishing net that was the size of... I don't even know what it is. The big ass fish in it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? The one that, you know, for the for large mouth bass. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. You know, for the for the big mouth. Fourteen diner. inches. Yeah, for uh-huh. the, when you're going out there getting that tuna. Mm-hmm. You know Ooh, what I mean? Get that, that big mackerel. There was a time where you could just walk into a, a stadium with that thing. That it was a big metal pole. I mean, a massive metal pole and a huge net. And I just put that thing right over my shoulder and would walk right into PNC Park with that thing, and nobody would ask any questions. Whenever you went through metal detectors, they would actually take it like with my cell phone on the side. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get this. <laughs> this got to go through. Nah, nah, we understand. All right, thanks. Just hand it to me on the other side. And I only got one ball. That entire time. I don't know how Chipper Jones was able to be a magnet for a ball. It's always a nice little treat. Whenever a ball comes to your section, there's a little bit of an explosion. Everybody's normally drunk at Pirates games, not expecting to win. So this might be the victory of the night is getting a ball to go home with from the actual game. I only got one ball. Chipper Jones got two in the last two nights. That guy's fucking touched by the gods. Oh, yeah. All-time legend. Hall of Famer. At Ty Schmidt, big baseball fan. What were you going to say, Nick? You were going to say something about that fishing net? Uh, Well, that particular stadium was just happy to get warm bodies in the building. So it didn't really matter what you were bringing along with you. Yeah. PNC Park. Yeah, it's true. And at that point, we were very warm because we had warmed up in a parking lot, too. Just think about the state of mind that the group that we were with that would walk into that place, and then they would see me with that thing, and they would just be like, we are paid security, but just go on in there. <laughs> You're good. You know what I mean? That, that was a wild time. I only got one ball. It was from the third baseline uh, foul ball kid. I think it was I think it was a guy. Yeah, it was like an 18-year-old guy. It looked like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. How old are they? Uh, they, they seem it to ranges, be the but Yeah, probably like 18 to 50. You get some geezers out there. As soon as we got into the game, about seventh inning, you know, sixth inning, because we had been out in there. I had never seen any geezers out there, by the way. It seems to be a little bit younger party, but yeah. I, you follow baseball a lot. Oh, yeah, there are some. As soon as we moseyed into that place, I started yelling at this guy. And I was 15, 20 rows back. It wasn't like we were sitting on the thing. We were way back. So I'm just like, hey, pow! You know, he turns. When you get a ball, like, huck one up here. And there was there was a little group of people around, like, scattered where we were. About eighth inning, that son of a bitch gets one hot. And he just turns immediately, flips his hips, and hucks that thing up to my area. Wow. All right? 
clean as that thing is going over my head to another group of people though mm -hmm. make a huge play with that net. <laughs> let's go huge play pop by the way from the four thousand people that are mm -hmm. in the thing yeah hold the net up you know go crazy with it it's awesome walking out people are asking me about it like great crap i'm like yeah <laughs> hell yeah that's probably the best baseball has ever been in my entire life for me was that moment in there and that's incredibly selfish obviously because it's just me having a moment that's in a, great a baseball play. stadium it's a great play but i don't know how anybody watches that sport I have no idea how. Like, you'll watch this thing? Yankees are out. Were you watching uh, this thing? I haven't really been watching much, especially when you got the Golden Knights, you know, out there. I, I, I stayed up for that entire game last night. Probably won't be doing that again. I was, it was a little tough to get to get up this morning. That game ended very hey, late. Very late. Kayfabe, Fugues right now. No, 100%. I stayed up. You and, stayed up for that I fucking game? What, they dropped the puck at what, yeah, midnight? Yeah. 10, 10, 15, 10, 30. I had to see, you know, because I was, did Stoner lose a step? I, I did, did he? I, no. No. Three points last night. Yeah. I mean, the guy's fucking <laughs> unbelievable. Guy's unbelievable. And, you know, we get rid of Flower. I had to know, hey, is Robin Leonard, is, is he going to stand on his head tonight? Is he going to be good in between the posts? He wasn't great, but he was good enough. And, you know, uh, but, but yeah, Golden Knights look good. I don't know how many more 1030 puck drops I'm going to be tuning in. <laughs> I don't, you know, and for those of you that aren't maybe NHL fans and you just like uh, good shows, the banner ceremony for the Tampa Bay Lightning, terrible. Yeah. Really? It was awful. Mm -hmm. It was the longest, most strong. They introduced every player on the roster. Oh, come on. And, and it was, <laughs> they introduced every player on the roster. Then, listen, go Bolts. Go right. Bolts. Go Bolts. Go Bolts. We were, we were pulling for the Bolts because we had a house in Tampa at the time. That's now Antonio Browns. Yeah. But we had a house <laughs> down in Tampa and when we were doing the show, and it was during the playoff run, and the Penguins had been quickly... Yeah. Kicked out yeah, of the playoffs. Yeah. And we got to see how much Tampa Bay loves the Lightning. Now, they were the reigning champs, and they are now back-to-back -back champs, so maybe winning breeds a fan base or whatever. But we had respect for how much Tampa loved the Bolts. Oh, yeah. People were walking in and out of, like, convenience stores and gas stations. Mm -hmm. Go, Go Boats. Boats. Yep. Go, boats. Go Boats. That's literally what they would say. So I was like, all right, I have appreciation for this place being a hockey town. Like, this is a hockey town down here. They love it. That banner ceremony was, uh, I don't know, maybe 27 minutes too long. Tampa Cash yeah. General stinks at them. The, I was, the I honestly was the think, worst one I've ever seen. That's yeah, why right, the, the team came out so flat. Like, Tampa was completely flat the entire game last night. I think it's because they all had this, the players had to sit through that banner ceremony. Stand. Not just sit. Yeah. They had to stand. They had to like, mosey around <laughs> on the ice and stare at different things. And then they had to mosey over here. And it's the entire roster. I assume the Penguins are what? Just sitting in the locker room? Like, yeah. Getting fired up. When does the puck? 35 minutes? What are <laughs> yeah. they going to do for the next? They did. They ate up a large portion of ESPN's kickoff NHL coverage. Oh, time. yeah. I mean, we flipped over there, and they were introducing all the players. Players had zero energy coming out. Yeah. Because, like, the most hockey thing of all time, it's not like they're going to come out and do the whole thing. They literally skated out, straight face, and a couple people waved their sticks. Thank you for acknowledging my existence. And that was it. <laughs> so that, was, that lacked a little bit. Then they did a little stick tap in the middle. Cool. I respect a good uh, stick tap. I thought that's when the banner was potentially going up. Nah, 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 nah. Got to skate down to the other end. Everybody needs to be in a, a half circle here, though half moon. Yep. And then we're going to watch this banner get unveiled in the slowest possible fashion. This thing was going literally the, the slowest movement I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was just slowly, slowly. This son of a bitch is a fucking 15-yard banner, too. Yeah. So if it's moving at an inch an hour, oh. I mean, that's going to take some time. And some of the players... 
I saw them like look at it and then they saw how slow it was going and they didn't have watches, but there was like a little bit of like, a, how, how are we going to, and then they half raised it, then full raised it, Jeez. then whole, it was a whole process last night. On the other hand, did you see Vegas's pregame show? Yes. That's what I was going to get to. The spectacular investment that is the Vegas pre-show. Yeah. This has been going on since the Vegas Golden Knights inception, which is uh, two years ago? Yep. Three mm-hmm. years ago. Whatever the case. I want to say two. They had full Cirque du Soleil type shows before the hockey games because they first sport in Vegas. Vegas has all the entertainers, the showmen, everything like that, the incredible talent. And they've really leaned into that showman type thing over there. Toughest barn in the NHL. I mean, I've been saying it time and time. Toughest barn in the NHL. Toughest barn in the NHL. You get in there, it's just a different atmosphere. You're just not used to that. You look at what what was going on in Tampa. You get out in Vegas, it's like... I'm at a goddamn mind freak show. Chris Angel's about to come up wow. from Chris the Angel middle of the ice. Actually, he actually almost died at the halftime of the uh, Chargers game, I think. No, Raiders. no, Raiders game. It had to be in Vegas. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, it was the Bears game. He was Bears, in, in yeah. Raiders Bears. Uh, they, they showed some of it on TV, but they had a, a graphic, a uh, promotional ad yeah, just blocking covering it. <laughs> his upper body, which was straight jacketed. Hanging upside down in the middle of the field stadium from the roof of <laughs> the uh, the Allegiant Stadium. This is real. So he suspended like 500 yep. feet in the air. Down, yeah, like this. And he had a straight jacket on. And it was all the theater. I mean, he was struggling with that thing. And I don't know if they had made a deal with the audience that if he doesn't get out of this thing in 30 to 45 seconds, we'll have to drop him. Drop him and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> like, did they make that announcement? Probably. You think I assume. If he does not get himself out of this straitjacket in the middle of 85,000 people at an NFL game, we will be forced to drop him and murder him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a lot on the line here, not just football-wise, magic-wise, but this man could die right here in front of you at halftime. Megabolt next. I don't know how, I don't know how this came to be, but I like that they're leaning into the talent around town. Supposedly he's friends with Mark Davis. Well, we need Carrot Top to become a friend with fucking Mark Davis. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see his ass out there at halftime as well. <laughs> yeah. But if there's no chance of death there, what does everybody think? Because why does I, he have knee pads on? Well, uh, for the fall. <laughs> what is that gonna do? <laughs> no, for the fall. <laughs> Chris has been watching cats. Yeah. You know, yeah. when cats yeah. fall, sure. you got to turn, and he was he's planning on going on all fours. I'm not sure. That that's, might be fashion, too. I lost yeah, all respect be. for him when he tried putting that balloon stunt over as a stunt. Yeah. That, that was David Blaine. That wasn't okay, Chris I wasn't Angel. Angel, Tony. Tony. Different that's on me. guys. That's on me. Come on. Jesus. He would have died if he didn't get out of there. Okay. Sorry, Respect the me. craft. That's on me. Damn. Yeah. He was, <laughs> as soon as I saw you really digging in deep for that, I knew there was no way he had any clue who the fuck that guy was. No, <laughs> no idea. Uh, that David Blaine one, though, was... Yeah, was, I have a lot of respect for David Blaine. Might as well still. be a Melinda. Now, no, no, the Melendas, <laughs> the the Melendas. I'm sure somebody you know that you might have met before. The Wallendas are the wild and wonderful Wallendas. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. walking across volcanoes. Yeah, allegedly oh, they used come to. Come on, that the guy. Ancestors, the, oh, no, 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 now no, they're no, tethered with nets underneath. Yeah, well, you can't 
you can't judge the entire Walenda family just off of the basis of this generation, uh, generation of the Walenda family. And what have you done for me lately, though? What are we I talking about? I understand that's the society we're in, but you need to look into the past whenever they actually were daredevils and when they oh, yeah. were actually attempting death-defying stunts. No, nah, they can't do it. The networks won't let them. Oh, they won't do it. They won't let them. Yeah, strap you in. The worst thing that can happen is a bunch of jump over Niagara Falls, which actually sounds pretty sweet, but yeah, you might make it across, too. And then halfway through, Love to learn about the book that you're writing. You oh, yeah. I mean? oh, yeah. Love to learn Absolutely. about that. Yeah. Listen, the Walenda name is something that we need to keep in high regards because of what the ancestors did, not because okay. of what they're allowed or not allowed to do now with the networks. Now, I would say the network's telling us that he's they're going to attempt a death-defying stunt, walking over, blah, blah, blah. That is setting the expectations at a level that you are literally not allowing the Walenda family to go to. Right. There is zero death outcome with the no. way that thing is rigged and mm -hmm. set up. Can't have a guy die on national TV. Which brings well, us to the next point. Were they actually going to drop Chris Angel? If I he think so. They were going to kill yeah. him. I think so. Do you know how it played out? Do we oh, know? He got out. He got yeah, he got out. Oh, he did? Yeah, he got out. So yeah. he has an awesome <laughs> fastball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris right, well, Angel's yeah. still gone. Okay. Yeah, Chris Angel's still gone. Just to clarify here, I do believe that was not Chris Angel. It was a different magician from the oh, Vegas no. area. <laughs> No, I, I have it here. It says Chris Angel. Okay, it yeah. That Angel. Is a, that well, is it a might have been a double. Though. That it is a mind a freak stunt. That is a mind freak stunt. It sure There's didn't no look like Chris Angel. I'm just throwing that out There's there. There's no okay. question about it. Might have been his apprentice. Can't confirm it was Chris Angel with two S's. Yeah, dude, you, you didn't grow up in the Chris Angel mind freak reality show era. Yeah. Okay, we did. Yeah, I watched a lot of those, but I mean, I think it's safe to say Chris Angel might have got some work done. Okay, Actually, your, your, your tweet about is the second thing that pops up on Google when you search Chris oh, Angel. Oh, okay, dope. I'm happy to be a part of this. I went to one of his shows. He forced me into doing, he's wearing football pants. <laughs> Yeah, he has a fake face on. That is not Chris no Angel. Way. That or he's been eating McDonald's with Mark Davis for the last five years. I just want everybody to know. Straight to his face. I just want oh, everybody to know this is NFL related. Okay, uh -huh. yeah. we have yeah, to talk have to about it. Yes. We have to cover it. Why is his penis a different color? He's wearing oh, football oh, pants. Tony. That's a girdle. Anyways, <laughs> that's because that's where you're strapped into the uh, straight check. But anyways. Las Vegas leaning into that is a good idea. Got to sure. do it. Yes. I think it's a good idea. Now, the questions forever were, how do you keep the casinos and sports coexisting? That's why Vegas never had a team. And I think the Vegas natives, the Vegas, you know, the people that don't just you see on the strip when you go there and just absolute insanity happens. Mm -hmm. And then you fly home. There's a bunch of people that live in that area oh, yeah. that I think they're very excited to showcase how good of fans they are as well because they were never really given the opportunity due to the casino nature of it all. It is a tough barn. It is tough, tough barn. barn. It's nothing like PPG Paint Arena, though, pal. Ah, it ain't nothing like, like it. Huh? It ain't like the TD Bank North Garden, I'll tell you that much. What about... Is that... Is that actual barn in Long Island still a place for the uh, uh, Coliseum? That, that place was awesome. Yeah. Tough barn. I think it's dead. I do believe they blew that thing up. I would like to let everybody know at this moment that if we get enough money to buy an NFL team, okay, and we need to look for a uh, new stadium, we're not going to take the sellout route. We are going to make that thing tight. Mm -hmm. It is going to be a Cameron Crazy. Sitting on top of, sitting on top of it. It is going to be. Uh, Have the stands go straight up. Yeah. Well, yep. the issue is. You can't get a lot of people to live events anymore, like the games and stuff like that, football, NFL. 
it, I don't know if you can't. Obviously, people can. There's an incredible business, SeatGeek, that gives tickets, and you see stadiums filled. So what I'm saying is later in the season, if your team isn't in contention and the weather's potentially turning, and you can watch every game from the comfort and the confines of your own home, which you were forced to be in for 18 months, and some people might have picked up new habits and hobbies, by the way, and learning that they might be homebodies much more so than ever. How do you continue to keep people going to games and interested in paying what they have to pay to get into those uh, stadiums? I think if we look at the Rams and Chargers new stadium, the way they're going to do it is the suite thing. They have suites everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So you and your friends can go. There's other TVs in there, I believe, so you can watch the other games. Wi-Fi, I think, is boosted in your... They're trying to make it an experience. If you build a stadium that is just a rompous atmosphere, like I think people will come because it's something to do, but you certainly lose out on the massive amount of revenue that people are going to be getting for all these suites. I think we're going to turn into a, a suite stadium era. Like I think that's going to become something where you people that maybe weren't able to afford what the suites were or maybe the suites were locked away by a certain group of people in every single city that seems to be how it is everywhere I've traveled to is there is one group of people that basically own each suite in every city and they either sell it themselves or they go and use it and now stadiums are becoming more suites available and it's probably going to become the same exact thing just with more suites uh I, I just I think we're going to hit that era, and to be honest, I think I kind of like it. I think it's a good a, a, a adapt. Take no way. Adaptation is that a word? Yes. Yeah. God, I should have pulled the trigger. I knew it was sitting right fucking there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good adaptation by these people on figuring out their problem that they could potentially have, though. I think, especially when you see all these videos of these massive fights in the crowd and stuff too. I feel like more people are going to be like, yeah, I don't want to spend a bunch of money to go have some drunk asshole like dump a Pepsi or a beer on me and then just have a huge mall happen around me. Like, I'll pay a little bit more to go sit in a nice seat in a suite with a people I know. Like, what's that? It's not just a little bit more. Yeah, but I think they'll be able to make it as groups because they'll make the suites bigger. If so. there's more of them, then it's yeah, those towns makes, ain't blue collar. That's definitely yeah. not. But well, I agree. Those like Pittsburgh, I think Heinz Field will be able to become because. Pittsburgh's fans, that place has been sold out forever. And there's going to be generational fans of teams that will continue to remain, like Green Bay. And there's obviously, I think, New England will be able to sustain that whole thing. But there's a lot of stadiums that do not have that. Whether yes. it's a newer fan base, they don't win as much, they haven't been around. There's a lot of those. And those people are all trying to figure out how do we get people to go to the games. I think it's going to be the suites, I think. Personally. Yeah, and what New England does, they have like these two – they have all the suites, of course, but then there's like the Putnam Club, and it's sponsored by them or whatever and it's just like a very nice seat but it's a ton of them that are basically above the uh like inner bowl down below so it's basically the best seat you have Mine's and also like too. the arlington park like a lot of teams are going to make their whole entire stadium yeah. like the casino the, 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 hotel. yeah, hotels like the patriot place like basically a mall around your stadium where you can spend like an entire weekend and not have to leave that area and just raking cash yeah oh yeah I mean, look the cowboys make 70 million right i think that's one home game yeah, they, they, because remember, a player and a team, if they were not vaccinated, caused a game to be forfeited in Jerry World. The team and the player were going to be fined $73 million. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Think about that. A $73 million fine could be handed down if a game in Dallas is postponed or canceled because a non-vaccinated player or a non-vaccinated coach caused something. Everybody was like, the owners were like, hey, listen. I ain't paying anybody $73 million, so guess what you all are doing? Yeah. 
You are getting, getting vaccinated. vaccinated. Yep. That's becoming a thing in the NBA now, huh? Oh, oh my yeah. God. That's yeah. a big storyline. Uh-huh. I am super pumped that I don't have to be the person that has to figure that out or oh. deal with that. That's, no kidding. Hey, those are two very strong opinions. Mm-hmm. This That is politics in the sports world right there. There are, I guess time will be the judge on all of these things in the real world, by the way. And I, I can't believe that that never happens. Like in our world, freezing cold takes, mm-hmm. great account. They hold people accountable Absolutely. for their sports predictions. How come that never happens in the world where they yell at each other all the time? Or does it? And I just don't know. Is there is there an accountability situation over there? I don't know because by the time that one person's been proven wrong, there's already He's, that, they're yelling about something exactly. new. Yeah. Ten new things have already come up. I don't know much about the world. We have gotten into it here the last day because of Aaron's answer to what happened. And and anytime the real world makes its way into sports, like it's going to potentially you know draw some conversation or whatever but getting a chance to hear that and people yell and the whole like is there ever a freezing cold takes in that world i wonder and with that being said like time will tell on this entire situation but all i know as an observer and a reporter who did get vaccinated because uh you know, little conversations. And also, my life was made much easier to get vaccinated. And I'm not the most intelligent person in this field. So, hey, if my life is going to be made easier, let's hope I don't, let's hope I don't die. I, I mean, there, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I do know that if you're against it and if you're for it, you are very passionate about it. And mm-hmm. it sounds like Kyrie is saying, hey, I'm a voice for the voiceless. I think he's very passionate about it. And I believe if you just think about the $73 million fine that was potentially going to happen to an owner if the, a game got missed, I assume the NBA owners are very passionate about to the tune of a lot of money. And the play, that is never that is going to just continue to go, and that's going to that's going to be a situation that blows up, I think. Well, and I think the, the Nets already said, like, hey, this is what it is. Like, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not playing. So that's kind of end of discussion, and we'll see where it goes from here. Like, I, I mean, I don't But see. now Kyrie is becoming a political oh, hero. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. From people. People that I would assume he never in his life thought he would be heralded as a hero by. Yeah. I would assume. This is just what I'm seeing from the internet. This is a fascinating situation. And by the way, the only person I'll judge who was right, who was wrong, who won, is time. Just right. like in everything else. <laughs> just like in this world. I don't know if there's a freezing cold takes over there, but I hope there is sometime because I'd like to know who I should listen to whenever I start dabbling into that world at some point, maybe five, ten years from now when I become an older person. But I'd just like to hear the scoreboard. I'd like to check the scoreboard <laughs> yeah. and know who's right, who's wrong. And I think that if you're on either side, that is what you should be pointing at as well. And it feels like everybody has their own scoreboard, though. And that becomes the problem. Maybe we should right. start that account and have Mitt run it and him watch uh, all the news every day and every night. Well, the thing about... Mitt is he would be hovering over the scoreboard and it's tough to look down at all the different scoreboards that every particular party team affiliation idea opinion has whenever you're so high you can't see from that angle can't be missing touchdowns when you're trying to keep score you know yeah for the real world right there's so many different scoreboards over there by the way oh yeah how do you listen to one particular person how do you listen to one particular person and they are Educated, sophisticated, everything that you're supposed to be, and they're saying something this way. Equal, maybe even classmate of person. Same school, same classes, same degree, same everything. Completely opposite. Very interesting. How the fuck does that happen? And people wonder why there's like disagreements or whatever. It's like, well, 
I think the people that in the history of our time that would normally be the people that'd be like, hey, this is how it goes. Now there's a lot of those people and it's like, who are the right ones? That's why we need a freezing cold takes for the real world. That's right. How do we know what team's good? There's a scoreboard. One, one scoreboard. I don't know much about the real world. I've just been, uh, you know, they kind of dropped us in there in the last 24 hours and I've kind of spectated from afar a little bit. I think you guys just need one scoreboard. Mm -hmm. I think that'll change. I think they just need one scoreboard. Somehow figure that out. It's impossible. One scoreboard would be cool. And maybe, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Did we just fix the world? Yeah. Boom. All right, so people in the real world, you guys need to just be working on getting one unified scoreboard. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we'll be able to know who we should listen to, we shouldn't listen to, which person who is a exact peer of this other person who's saying the polar opposite thing. We'll know which one normally wins and which one normally doesn't because we'll have the scores. Bingo. Uh-huh. So we do in sports. You're welcome. Happy we can take that into your world and take care of it. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people Hell yeah! when the moment comes it's not come too quick oh <laughs> here we go that is not what they had in their copy okay <laughs> they should that was i think they're going in a different direction so let's go back a sentence or two okay okay when you when the moment comes you want to be ready that's true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Huh? Lasts a long time. Banging it, banging it, banging it. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all, <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's Boom. right. Dingers. Round time. Bingo. Dave Ocup- <laughs> Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yeah, medication. F- free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Rich Big Sky, mm-hmm. a rich person joining us now from a lake in Idaho with better internet than ever. Live and in color, ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Pagano. Back to the old faithful. Smart. Old faithful. smart. Boy, try to change it up. Go to a different <laughs> part of the house. I guess you got to have these boosters um, all over the place. I mean, Lord, have mercy. I just spent... Um, Five thousand dollars getting this, thing, you know, oiled up for the show, and I figured, okay, the living room. I'm gonna try the living room. Got some nice piece of furniture there. My wife loves West Elm. Got a few pieces from West Elm. You know, give them a shout out, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, Corner Lane. Okay, that's where the rich, rich, rich no. people go. AJ. Okay, 
they got a lake up there. They got a golf course. They got all the stuff that the rich and famous love to do and hang out. And I'm just in McCall, Idaho, which is beautiful. It's it's uh, Payette Lake, two hours north of Boise. So all good. Yeah, I mean, nice place. Way to go back to the fundamentals, back to this room. I apologize that uh, East Elms or whatever you said, it, it maybe got in the way of the the internet, but I'm thankful that you're here. Let's dive into it. I hate the back-to-back weeks here. We have to talk about head coaches being in situations that are obviously devastating and terrible as a leader of men, okay? First Urban Meyer last week, you gave a great answer on that and gave us great insight that I don't think, you know, none of us would have thought about as being a former coach, especially somebody that's been around 30 36 years. Now, when it comes to the John Gruden email leak via the Bruce Allen investigation, obviously it's terrible that it's not the culture that you had whenever we were in Indianapolis. I don't know what's going on in your fucking emails, but not it didn't feel like a very similar culture that you ran. What my question is about, everybody that watched the film said that the Raiders team looked like shit. And that was after the first email came out that was, you know, some racist uh, terms were thrown around and a description was leaked. Do you think there comes a time where you have no chance of ever getting a team back? Like, do you think Gruden, although he resigned and people are saying he was forced into resign, if what people are saying from watching a film about the Raiders team quitting on him, there was no chance he was going to be able to get anybody back, right? I mean, there's no chance at all he was going to get that team back. Once you lose a team, it's gone forever, right, Coach? Yeah, Pat, I think it's... Uh probably considering the circumstances i mean first and foremost um you know that's a sad uh embarrassing uh disappointing uh, situation i know it's been obviously well what's going on over there a baseball well bat hit a, a, a baseball bat hit a guitar Hockey i apologize baseball yeah. bats <laughs> there's a lot um, yeah you know but you know we all know as you have talked about and aaron talked about and everybody's talked about ad nauseum that there's no place you know, in our society, uh, let alone the National Football League, for that type of language, um, number one. And, you know, we all feel bad for people that are affected, disrespected, um, based on, you know, that language. But, yeah, I, you know, that, that was probably, uh, I don't know, really, really hard uh, situation, you know, when that, uh, when that kind of thing happens. Uh, to try to get forget the game and what everybody thought this that and the other and you don't want to take away credit from uh, the other team and things like that but I think that would be a very very difficult situation uh, to stand you know in, in front of your team and in front of your men and continue to lead you know based on uh, those circumstances so um, you know we all know what what transpired and where the league went and the course of action that was taken, um, but it's just it's sad and it's disappointing. Chuck, when you when you address like you would address the team every day, every morning. Usually, the head coach will address the whole team in a team meeting, depending on where you're at. But how much thought and how much like preparation would you have going into those meetings when you're addressing the whole team together? Because I didn't realize it at the time, but now that I'm removed, I realize how important those maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes are that the head coach addresses you every day. Yeah, I think especially Wednesday, you know, the day after the game is always, you know, hopefully it's a win and you can point out a bunch of bright spots and still get after the team. And you know how coaches are. You can always get after the team more when you win, uh, try to lift them up when you lose, those type of things. But Wednesday was huge, you know, because you're talking about, okay, here's the next opponent. You're talking about the game records, offense, defense, and special teams that they have. This is how we're going to attack them. 
This is going to be, you know, how we're going to play complementary football. We had a formula going into each one of those games of, you know, the ball was the most important thing, the quarterback, how we're going to affect him, you know, the ball, protect it, take it away, all those kind of things. So I think that was major to set the tone uh, for the week and explain to the guys, you guys were talking about, you know, Tommy Telesco yesterday and, and what a great job Brandon Staley's doing. Um, that's real. That's real. You've sat in those meetings, AJ. Uh, Pat, you've sat in those meetings, obviously, of, of you know, uh, coming in and talking about the opponent and, and how we were going to beat that opponent and the things that we had to do, um, uh, you know, as a football team, collectively, collaboratively, you know, uh, complimentary football, again, if you will, of how we're going to win that game. So that, that was major. And, um, you know, it was always easier when I was a, a position coach. All I had to worry about was the defensive backs or a D coordinator, just the defensive side. But um, there's a lot that goes into that as a head football coach. How about the research you did? In the, I feel like you read a lot of books. You were well studied. You'd reference a story or reference something that somebody else said in some world when you were getting your point across. I thought you were a very, very good orator. I actually told you that after most meetings. Like, hey, I think you did good in there. I, I thought you were very funny. The energy is a big deal. But once you lose that room, I think it's it's over. You know, and that's... uh. I think that was something that was obviously knocking on the door over there. Let's talk about the Raiders a little bit more now that, you know, Paisan, huh? Hey, Paisan, hey. Bisaccia. 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 Hey, this guy. We love to see, we love to see a fellow Paisan get an opportunity. Yeah, I, yeah, we do. Hey, we do love that. Who Do you know this guy at all? What do you expect of the team? Because they have a good roster. Have you ever seen a situation like this potentially bring them together even more and maybe thrive after it? Like, what do you think is going to happen over there? And what do you know about Rich Paisan, head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders all of a sudden? I know he's got a sweet foo man. You know, <laughs> that thing is real. I wish mine looked that sweet. Hey. Uh, Richie's, I've known Richie uh, for a long, long time. Football Richie. Um, our careers were kind of similar. A long time in college and then, you know, obviously he's had a long stint and still going uh, in this situation with the, with the Raiders. But well-respected, uh, great coach, great person. He's a, he's a, he's a player's coach. Uh, he will hold those kids accountable, those players accountable. He's demanding. Uh, you mentioned it yesterday. We've talked uh, before about this, about, you know, the special team coach touches everybody, you know, on that roster. He's got a relationship with everybody on that roster. Hence the decision of, of Mark Davis and, and the upper brass at the Raiders to go, you know, with Rich uh, in this role. Uh, I think he'll do a fabulous job. And, yes, Pat, um, things like this can galvanize a team. You know, uh, a decision was made. Rich has been put in place. Now I think it falls on the leadership in that locker room. You know, it'll fall on Derek Carr. You know, it'll fall on uh, Waller. It'll fall on the players on the defensive side, Kwiatkowski and, and Hankins and those guys to come together and say, hey, look, because that's the sanctuary. That, you know, again, um, you know, those guys, they can rally around their coaching staff. They can rally around Rich and decide, hey, look, we do have a damn good football team. You know, we have a quarterback that's playing outstanding. We've got playmakers on offense. We've got a defensive coach in Gus Bradley who knows what he's doing and has brought energy and juice to this defense. And this season is not a wash. And we can turn this whole thing around and we can turn this into a positive and, and still make hay in this league and, and, and find a way to get ourselves in the, in the tournament. And then if we do get in that tournament, we can make some noise. 
that. Chuck, what about Let's Mike Mayock and, and Mark Davis? Like, are they? You think they're actively? I mean, I, I, I'm sure they're still dealing with a lot, but are they actively starting their search for their next head coach? I know this this Paisan will get a chance to to keep the job if he does a if he does well, I guess. But I, I don't. Think about, excuse me. I don't think you can say it with that delivery. Why'd you say? I didn't it? know his real. I couldn't say his real full last name. Uh, okay, I just thought the way you said Paisan was – Diggs took it as a shot. Well, I, yeah, I mean, no, his, definitely no, no shot. His Especially eyebrows raised. Inflection in your voice. Yeah, Chuck right. even saw it. He even heard it a little bit, it seems no, like. Chuck's Chuck. the only one. I was. I mean, with all due respect to Chuck, because I couldn't say his last name. Uh, That's okay. the reason I used that term. Oh, but I'm asking Chuck, are you thinking about throwing your hat in the ring and, and coming oh, away from Idaho and trying oh, to be the next head coach oh. of the Raiders? Hey, little, hey Vegas, little gambling on Ah, little life. Tina loves it, huh? Uh. <laughs> Oh, does she ever? That's her favorite spot. Boy, I'd be in good graces for a long, long time if we were to don the silver and black again. But, you know, I think, um, you know, I had two years there, 05 and 06. Uh, Mr. Davis, uh, God rest his soul, was still alive, and I had an unbelievable experience. There is nothing like being a part of the, the Raiders. That's an unbelievable organization. And uh, the fan base now and being in Las Vegas, all that stuff, but – to your point, AJ, and your question early on about are they starting to, you know, put together a list? Um, obviously, they had no idea that this was going to come to pass, but we know that, um, you know, adversity happens. There's things, circumstances that come up uh, unforeseen, uh, especially in this situation. So they're starting to put that list together, but they're going to give Rich uh, and that football team and that coaching staff all the support and resources uh, necessary to be successful on the, on the field uh, moving forward. And then, like you said, if they go out and they win, and, again, it's going to be the players. If these players rally around uh, Rich and his coaching staff, you know, why would you want uh, to change everything if you don't have to? You know, and you want continuity and all those kind of things. And go, to go try to find a new head coach and a whole new coaching staff, this, that, and the other – They've got really good coaches in place. They've got a nice staff in place. They've got a good roster uh, that they built. So, again, it'll be up to those players. Those players rally around, and they come together in the locker room because it's just a choice. They have a choice to make. Okay, look, we can make an excuse on, okay, uh, this happened, that happened, you know, um, all this other uh, nonsense. But they can come together and say, look, we're a great fucking football team. Yeah. And we've got a hell of a coaching staff. And by God, we're not going to let the season go down the drain. And we need to man up, do our freaking job, do simple better, Pat. You said this game's simple. It's about blocking, tackling, throwing, catching. That's it. Kicking. kicking. Thank let's you. not forget kicking. Five. You five know, hours. but let's go. We owe it to this organization, the decal, the name on the back of our jersey, and these fans to go out and play some damn good football. Let's go! Yeah! I love that. <laughs> I do love that you just immediately won. You put yourself in that position right there, and you said, this is what I would hope would happen. And you would expect it, I think, especially if there's probably been some tense moments in that building. I don't know if it's just this past couple days because the email leaks, or maybe just as a whole, there's always that conversation about, is Derek the guy? Is he not the guy? John Gruden hates him. He doesn't hate him. Maybe now is the time that maybe a little tension has been relieved, and it's like, all right, let's rally together. I hope that's the case. Great speech there, Coach. Uh, whenever you become a head coach, especially with – you know, a Jim Ursay led team. 
And we saw his tweets last night talking about, you know, we're going to win multiple Lombardis for the horseshoe. And, it, and we're staring down a one in four record right now. Big time weekend down there in Houston with T.Y. Hilton coming back, which seems to be immense news. If you don't know, it is huge to get T.Y. back on there. But what is that interview process like whenever you have to go in and chat with Jim Irsay? And what are his expectations? Because I think his tweet was allowing everybody to know that he's expecting a lot better than this as well. I might be wrong. You know more about him than I do. But what was that interview process like with uh, old Jim Irsay? It was unbelievable. Yeah, Jim's like a brother to me. I mean, I love uh, Mr. Irsay to death and his family. And, you know, we know that Jim, I mean, he wears his emotion and his passion uh, for that football team and that city and those fans on his sleeve. And there is not a more generous uh, bigger-hearted owner in the National Football League that I know uh, than Jim Mersey, And, yeah, the expectations are real. You remember uh, before we opened up with uh, Detroit at home in, in 16? You know, and he, he spoke at the uh, oh, yeah. at the luncheon. Remember we'd have that luncheon before we got on a bus and drove to Cincinnati yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. play that preseason game? Yeah, worth it. But it was like, hey, look, this is, this is the Coliseum, and they're coming to town. We have to win this game. He mixes no bones when he talks about the expectations for that team and, and what he wants to accomplish. And uh, obviously, you know, the guy loves to win. He hates losing more than he loves winning. You know, you find that out in the first five minutes when you sit down and you have a meeting with, with Mr. Ursay. You know, God damn it, we got to win this game, coach. I love this guy. He's, he's unbelievable. And you want that you know, in your owner because he, I mean, Again, he, he loves to win, and he said it. I mean, at least it's down to two Lombardis. It was, it's been three. Uh, last, <laughs> right? <laughs> at, least Frank, at least Frank and Ballard, you know, it's down to, down to two. But um, I love Jim, and I would take a bullet for that dude. Um, you know, I just it, – it's awesome. And Ballard's going, now look, Jim, <laughs> we got some injuries. <laughs> Yeah, he's selling, you know. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. Now look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. Any more Ursa impressions you want to do, let them fly on this show. They are always accepted. I'm happy that we could potentially paint a different narrative about Jim Ursa than the rest of the world knows because we got a chance to see him operate a little bit. Go ahead, Ty. Coach Pagano, there was a situation in the Packers Bengals game on Sunday where it was an overtime and it was, uh, I think, a third and 10 or a third and 15. And Aaron told us yesterday he wished they would have went for you know another play to pick up some yards. Instead, they kicked the field goal. Mason Crosby had already missed two kicks and an extra point. I don't know if you ever really had a situation like that with Vinny, but how do you go about that when you have a guy who's usually nails, but he's just for whatever reason, you know, he, he just doesn't have it that day. How do you decide that situation at the end of a game there when, uh, you know, you have to have it, otherwise you're in jeopardy of losing? Yeah, Ty, uh, great question as always. Um, you know, those situations are going to come up, and, and what a play, you know, Aaron made. I believe you're talking about the third and sixteen. Yeah. You know, where he threw the cob over the middle, he got hit, hand got hit, and that flick of the wrist, and he buries another team, puts his team in, in position, and, and, and yeah, he's got to make a decision. Uh, Cobb rolled, I thought Cobb rolled over on top of that body and wasn't down yet and might have got that first down, but, you know, that's up to, you know, replay this, that, and the other. But, yeah, you always look at that situation, the health of the guy. Um, you look at the Colts situation. 
um, you know, with you know, hot rod, uh, Rod Rodrigo, hot, yeah, hot rod, rod, right? Hot rod, hot rod. You know, and you know he misses, and he's got a groin. He's got this, that. He comes out and nails one, and then you got a decision to make. So, you trust your guys. You know, I'm going to trust Mo Drayton. I'm going to Mo and saying, Mo, what's this guy? Are we good? You know, and like you said, what's Mo going to say? Now, hell no. <laughs> Run the damn ball. There's no way he can make this kick. Absolutely, he's going to believe in this guy because that's like you said, that's going to get out. And and you know I love Mo more than anybody. He does oh, yeah. a great job, and so happy he got that opportunity. Um, but no, you trust Mo, and then you trust your guy, and and you knew that. Hey, look, um, he's going to go out there. He's going to make this kick, and you and you give him a chance to to rebound and and win the game for you. And they got out of there with a three point win. Um, you know they covered, which was very very important uh, <laughs> to a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> You're an asshole. Such but, an Italian. Yeah. Such an Italian. He's one year removed. What is he, five hey. weeks removed from this thing? That's awesome. AJ, AJ, it's Passaccia. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, Paisan. Now you got to do what you got to do. In that game, Paisan. something you had to deal with in that game as well, by the way, uh, that happened in that game, you had to deal with. Andrew Luck was a madman. Every play, no play left behind. There is no reason for me to sacrifice myself or I'm going to sacrifice myself for the good of the play, for the good of football. I feel like he legitimately thought he was disrespecting football if he was to slide or avoid contact or do something in his eyes that wouldn't be doing what football is. I think that's honestly how he felt by the way he was playing. Joey Burrow seems to have a pretty similar thing. Aaron said that he talked to Joey Burrow afterwards. He was like, just slide, man. You're too good. You're too talented. Your future's too great. Uh, great. Everybody knows you're tough. We know you're tough. Just need you to pick and choose your battles almost. I don't think that's an easy thing for some people to switch off you now how were your combos with Andrew Luck and how did those go and do you feel like he is almost getting disrespected by you for asking him to take a play or quit on a play maybe like how did those conversations go and uh, how do you think it ends up with Joey B yeah you know out of all the abilities the the most important one is availability yeah you know and that's what we tried to get across to Andrew and I'm sure the coaches over there in Cincinnati are trying to get across to you know, to, to Joe. And, uh, you know, it's very, very hard. Imagine coming in as the number one overall pick, the expectations that come along with that, the locker room, you're trying to earn your stripes. You know, you, you're going to show these guys that, you know, you're going to lay it on the line. Number one, you're going to be the first in the building, the last to leave. You're going to study more than anybody else because we know, you know, what comes with that job and that role. You know how hard that is for a, for a player, a competitive football player in the National Football League to – to you know, start sliding and, and doing some things, especially early in their career. Three, four years down the road, it was a lot easier to have those conversations with Andrew uh, just because of those expectations and, and trying to win the locker room over and earn the respect of your teammates wow. and, and the fans and, and everybody and, and to get first downs. But, but God damn it, excuse my language, <laughs> get the hell on the ground. You know, we... we <laughs> you got to slide, and we had to bring in people to teach him how to slide and all this, that, and the other. But he didn't feel like until he ran over a linebacker, you know, in college at Stanford, it kind of got the cobwebs out of his head, and, and he could get in the flow of the game. But, ah, uh, you can't do that. And then, you know, that hit was, was egregious. It was third and 12, and I think he took off, right? And he's good five yards, and there's five defenders right there, and he knows he's going to get cut in half. You're not getting it anyway. And we appreciate your toughness, and we appreciate you uh, laying it all on the line for, for the Bengals and the fans and the organization and for the team. But, but you got to get out, and then 
How about on the interception, the tackle he went and made? You know, when he threw the yeah. pick late in the game? Yeah. And remember Andrew? Yes. Andrew would be the first guy. You know, he told the pick, and out of nowhere, here comes here comes Superman, right? And boom, he'd knock the living shit out of the dude. And we're like, no, don't let these other guys. He's like, this guy's going to walk in the end zone, coach. You don't want me to tackle him? Yeah, I know how it looks, but everybody will forgive you in 24 hours. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's tough. I, I can see how it's tough. And I didn't even think about the amount of pressure for success. So every play could be a part of your legacy that you're trying to build in a certain city and in the locker room. It's insane to think about because Andrew Luck, that dude would. He was the first person on the scene when he threw a pick. And it's like, how do you tell him not to get upset, not to try to make it right? Because you just made a mistake. How do you make it right? Or maybe your wide receiver ran a wrong route. And it's like you're taking away something from him, but you're also telling him, hey, when you're healthy, everybody's life is better. Okay? Everybody's life is better whenever you're healthy. <laughs> Chuck, yeah. yeah. My life, too, by the way. My life's better. My family's life's better. That's a tough thing, though. I can see how the competitive spirit could take that out of him. Last question here. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Coach, I got to ask. Uh, the Lions have now lost back-to-back -back weeks pretty heartbreakingly. And after this last one against the Vikings, MCDC was, in fact, crying on the stand uh going forward does he have to cry every single time they lose Chase. now because he kind of set the standard or does he kind of have to reel that in a little bit and get the boys ready for next Chase. week Chase. <laughs> what a great question boston <laughs> connor no. here we go Chuck. i mean just because yeah okay so I love Dan Campbell. You know I'm a big, uh, what you call him, MCDC? MCD. I'm a huge MCDC. I love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Love this guy. And you got to love his passion. Uh, you got to love his energy, his juice, his fight, all that stuff, what he's building there, you know? Um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to follow up with because, you know, and I hate it because they're, they're building something special there. Um, they're building a roster. Uh, you know, they're not there yet. There's going to be some probably another bad Sunday on their horizon uh, for the Lions, you know. Uh, but, you know, I heard you guys talking about this yesterday. And, you know, if he doesn't ball next week and the week after, week after that, he's this, he's that. Let's don't go there. Let's give, you know, let's give, let's give Dan, you know, the benefit of the doubt and, and know that, I mean, yeah, I mean, after a lot of guys would have just, I mean, I don't know. They might have resigned after two devastating losses. <laughs> hey, you know what they got to do? Pay Calvin Johnson. Jim, no, like Jim, La you know, Ted Lasso, right? Jim's believe. You know, his deals believe, right? Yeah. They need to have a seance. They got to have a voodoo deal. They got to get the trash can out. They got to get the team around that trash can. They got to grab something that means a lot to them. Throw it in there in, in Detroit. Forget the crying. Forget this. Forget that. Let's go Ted Lasso in Detroit, and let's have a big voodoo rally, yeah. a seance. Yeah. Whatever you got to do, and let's let's burn some stuff and try to change the mojo around that place. My yeah. Lord. Yeah, they're going to need some sage, I think. I, I mean, at this point, there's I don't even know if that could do it. All you got to do is pay Calvin Johnson his money, and everything goes away. We can't thank you enough for joining us, Chuck. You're amazing, man. Each week's getting better and better. We appreciate the hell out of you. Appreciate you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, coaches up Chuck host, head coach Chuck Pagano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To pivot a little bit to another NFL franchise joining us, uh, fresh off an incredibly massive win 
an emotional win. So much so that his quarterback and his head coach almost threw fists at each other to celebrate afterwards. Ladies and gentlemen, Gritty Master, wide receiver of the Minnesota Vikings, Adam Thielen. Yeah! What's up, guys? Good to be back. Hey, it's great to have you, man. Great to see you guys winning again, by the way. You guys seem to be very hot. You're heating up. Incredible talent. Got everything going good. Uh, Kirk and Zimmer, them fighting there. Is that a normal thing? They punch each other around all the time? And are you happy that the rest of the world is getting a chance to maybe put aside the fact that they hate each other for a little bit because they both came out and spoke glowingly about each other? Yeah, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I actually told Kirk that I'm gonna make it my screensaver. Uh, there's a picture of him of of uh, Kirk with the like fist of the sweatshirt, and I'm uh, like, that's my new screen uh, screensaver on my phone. That's awesome. Go ahead, AJ. Do you think maybe? So let's say you're playing Carolina this week. You catch a big old touchdown, a big bomb. Are you going to go on a dead sprint to Zimmer, grab him, maybe two fists, <laughs> grab him, or maybe around the neck, and then he's going to be like, okay, yeah, I'm doing this with everybody, and all of a sudden Zimmer's going to get in like 35 fights per game? <laughs> I think that should be our new celebration. I think you have a great point there. Uh, I won't be too happy about it, but it'll get him fired up. It's, it's good. Okay. We like, we, like, we like when Zim's fired up, and we like when uh, Kirk's fired up, so – uh, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, two forces that are very rarely fired up in public, fired up with each other, causing an awkward situation for the world to judge because all the stories that we've heard about what's going on behind the scenes. Let's talk about behind the scenes over there. Life has to be much better right now. Obviously, a 54-yard game-winning field goal from Greg Joseph is huge. You force the opposing coach to cry, so I don't know how you feel about Whoa. that, especially two big uh, catches in the final drive. What is it like over there with momentum on your side? Can you feel it in the building? Did you guys ever doubt anything whenever things weren't going as great no we've never doubted it um you know i think it's, it's just been a wild season so far i mean just the way that we we've lost the way that we've won uh it's just been it's just been wild but uh the, the longer you're in this league you you get it i mean it, it happens um it's tough to win in this league you have to you have to bring it each week and and uh so we know we know what we got to do um i think that's one thing we actually talked about is is not letting a win or a loss um you know, make our weeks look different. We got to be consistent no matter what, because I think a lot of times the NFL, you guys know, you get that win and you're like, ah, we got the win. We're good. You know, we're on a roll and you kind of start to relax a little bit. Um, and in this league, when you do that, it's, it, you're going to get beat. And so I think it's, it's just that message of, Hey, it doesn't matter what happened last week. Like we have an NFL team coming this week and they're really good. So we gotta, we gotta play our best football. How does uh, Zimmer do that? Like, I would assume he is very consistent and would be a guy that's not going to let you sit back and get comfortable after a win. Has he always been like that consistent guy that he comes in no matter what, win or lose, and he's the same? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> Zim, when we lose, he is pissed off. And, like, he's he's mad when we win, but, like, he's really mad when we lose. So uh, he's definitely not consistent with that. Like, he's going to he's gonna bring it. When we lose, like, that's why losing – uh, losing sucks in this league because uh, uh, you know you're going to get it uh, uh, on that Monday after you lose. Well, there's jobs on the line. There's legacies on the line. There's obviously a massive amounts of money on the line. I, it's nice to hear that Zimmer is one that will come in and say, yeah, that was fucking a nightmare yesterday. Uh, I like that that's potentially his way of motivating and driving. Seems like you guys are back on the right 
path this season. I mean, there's been a lot of success over there. It just hasn't hit the crescendo yet. Obviously, you're all striving to do that. Let's talk about your game this weekend against the Panthers. I know Phil Snow, the defense coordinator, I think he's been running like a 3-3-5 for the last 50 years or something like that. Is there anything different that you guys have to prepare for against this Carolina Panthers defense? That team seems to be coming together as well when there was a lot of high hopes last season and going in this year. Yeah, they, we definitely have a lot to prepare for for them. They they are a really good defense. I, I'm not sure where they're ranked defensively, but uh, when you watch the tape, they're they're really good. They're flying around. Uh, their corners are able to sit on routes because um, their defensive line is getting to the quarterback, and their blitzes are nasty. Like you said, they kind of run that three three five, and and they can make everything look the same. So they can have you know the same blitzes, but a bunch of different guys are coming. Uh, so it, it definitely uh, it, it definitely keeps you on your toes, and uh, for us, we got to make sure that we're we're you know focused on the little things, uh, being prepared for a lot of different looks, and uh, honestly, being prepared for the looks that we've seen because uh, a lot of teams are are kind of going away from their game plans that they've shown on tape, and they're kind of doing stuff that's that's kind of uh, hey, there's a lot of pe- hey, there's a lot of people talking about that right now. The Bills in the opening week against the Steelers said they saw something they never thought was going to come. The Chiefs then just said that about the Bills and then Patrick Mahomes said the coverages we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I don't think anybody on earth has. What is it? Are, are defenses just getting more creative with their coverages? Is this happening to everybody you think? I think so. I think I think teams are just finding ways to uh, you know, if one team has success doing something, even though it's not in their defensive philosophy, they're going to do it. Um, and I think teams are just saying they're kind of going all out and saying, hey, uh, we're going to do it works against this offense, especially against a successful offense, uh, offense that puts up a lot of yards or uh, does something really well. Uh, if a team finds a way to, to stop it, they're going to do it. I think vice versa, too. If if, uh, you know, there's there's something that um, a defense is doing or an offense is doing uh, that's beating a certain style of defense, teams are kind of grabbing that and, and using it. How tough is it for you as a receiver sometimes? We've seen some teams where they're going in, the, the offense thinks, oh, this defense is going to blitz me. They're going to come after the quarterback, try to get pressure, and then all of a sudden they're dropping eight, they're dropping seven consistently, and they want you guys to make a mistake and get greedy and try to go over the top. How tough is it for you to, to stay patient? Because you're a guy that you like catching balls over the top. You make huge plays. Like Some defenses are trying to take that away, it seems like. Yeah, no doubt. It's 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 hard uh, because uh, receiver is a is a momentum position. You know, you uh, you get the couple balls early, uh, you get in the get in the game, you get that adrenaline, you get that rhythm, and and it's like you feel like nobody can stop you. So uh, when teams kind of play that way of of kind of just letting you you know make you check it down and things like that and take away uh, the big plays, it, it definitely can be challenging. But the more you see it, the more you realize, hey, I just got to stay patient. I got to do um, what the coach is telling me to do and, and not try to do too much. How do you feel about how pass interference has been called and everything like that? Because it's a judgment call, obviously, and you're a wide receiver who is out on the outside and doing it. That's where a lot of holding is and everything. Is it called too much, not enough? Do you just want it to be more consistent? What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, just more consistent um, because some refs call it different than others. Some just let you play, which was the style of play I like uh, on both sides. You know, I like – a physical game and, and kind of just letting us play ball uh, to an extent. Um, and then um, there's some there's some refs that it's it's you know offensive guy barely pushes a little bit and they call it offensive pi or, or a DB grabs at the beginning of the route and they call it DPI. I just I just want to see consistency and and honestly we haven't seen it too much in our games but I've seen it just watching football uh, that that pi was it in the uh, the um, L A Chargers and and uh, Cleveland game that was I thought that was a pretty bad call but um, just oh. want to see. 
consistency. You're going to get fined. What if you get fined for saying that on this show? That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, we'd, we'd find a way to get you the money, by the way. But I just want to let you know that is that would be awesome. We'd feel like we arrived <laughs> if you got fined for saying something on our show. Um, do you watch a lot of football? You like football still? I know a lot of guys in the league because they get paid to watch football. They watch so much film. It's kind of tough for them to watch like the primetime games. You watch football. You watch games. You know what's going on around the league? I love watching football because I feel like it's like a different thing. Like, like I don't feel like what I do on Sundays is the same as what I'm watching. Uh, it's, it's. I don't know if that makes sense, uh, but it, it, it is. Kind of, I love watching it, and and honestly, I get confidence from it because I'm like, oh, that guy's pretty good, and he got covered on that play. So, you know, because <laughs> I'm I'm hard on myself, so uh, it, it definitely gives me a little bit of confidence. If you're not open on one play, and even if you gave like your best stuff, do you start? Oh man, I ain't got, I ain't fucking got it. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, do you living and dying with every rep? It just eats me alive. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'll, I'll wake up at like four in the morning, and I'll be like, man, I should have won on that route. Like, <laughs> it, it makes me so. It makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. People wonder why professional athletes are professional athletes, yeah. by the way. That is what's waking him up in the middle of the night is that he got beat one time on a particular route. Go ahead, Ty. Speaking of all that stuff and wide receiver being a momentum position, like we know how competitive you are. How how tough is it? Like, do you ever go into a game like on Sunday, you know, you only had two catches and obviously you're doing a bunch of stuff that's not showing up on the stat sheet, but do you ever go into a game thinking like, oh, I'm maybe not going to get as many looks today? I mean, obviously Kirk's trying to get you the ball, but like how do, how do you stay engaged like that when you're not necessarily getting the ball? Yeah, honestly, uh, I I just try to like not even think about it. Like just, just uh, focus on, you know, practice throughout the week and, and, you know, get preparing myself and then just kind of feeling it out as, as the game goes. But, uh, but again, yeah, it's, it's difficult, um, you know, not getting uh, opportunities early or, or things like that. But at the end of the day, that's just part of this, this league and, and teams are good. They know how to take away what you're really good at. Um, they know that, uh, that, you know, the offense corner is trying to get you the ball or, or this or that. So um, you just got to be patient. You just got to, it's, it's part of the game and, and it's, and it's not going to change. So you just got to find a way. I've been talking the last couple of years about teams taking T Y Hilton out of the game, basically with coverage. And I think T Y saw it as a massive compliment at the beginning, whenever they shifted the double and triple coverage off of Reggie and moved it over to T Y. I think that was like a passing of the baton almost to T Y. But then as the years evolved and T Y was the guy and there was no other weapons, he was staring down literal triple coverage. And there's just, Hey, this is what's going to, your day is going to be. You are not going to do anything. We're going to take, do you have to just like own that and be like, okay, I'll be a distraction. I don't know if it happens, especially with Justin Jefferson with how good he is. I don't know how they pick and choose who they'll dub on your side. But is there some games where you go in and you know, like immediately upon the first couple snaps, it's like, oh, they are trying to minimize me completely. And you just have to own it and, and try to make the most of it. That, that seems difficult. That seems like something that would be very difficult. Yeah, definitely. There's been those games in the past where it's, uh, you, know, you know, early on what their game plan is. Um, um, but, you know, teams have, have done the double-double thing where they take away two guys um, where they take out one guy, like I know in the past, like if, if I was out and, you know, it's just Justin out there, they're going to just literally take him away um, or, or vice versa. So it, it is it is tough. But at the end of the day, shoot, especially where I'm at in my career, I just want to win. So if I got to be a decoy and we win, so be it. You know, we, we beat the Lions last week, last second field goal. Uh, I had two catches. Uh, I don't care. I want to win. And uh, and I, I honestly mean that. Yeah, as a competitor, you want the ball 100%. We want the ball, and I want to make plays. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm in my point in point of my career where winning is uh, you know over everything. That's awesome.
Hey, during a game, do you have any idea how many catches you have for how many yards or anything? I've played with guys all different ways. Some guys where they know every single stat in real time. They're checking the scoreboard. And I know guys that don't care at all and have no idea until the, the PR people tell them after the game. Yeah, I'd rather not know, to be honest. I don't even like when they tell me after the game. But uh, <laughs> I, I head, you know, but uh, I just don't even want to know. That's smart. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Adam, Dalvin Cook has been missing some time here in the past few weeks. Is that something where when he goes out that you guys try and almost take more load on yourselves between you, Justin, and also Madison in the back? Or are you just kind of trusting the process and having a great backup to Dalvin also helps? Yeah, at the end of the day, as a receiver, you just got to run the run the plays that are called. Uh, so there's not much that I can do as far as that. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think we always talk in our room is is – is we got to make the plays. We got to make them. We got to go. It's on us. Um, it's on us to help this team win. And I feel like when you have that mindset, whether that is the case or not, um, even when Delvin is there, we got to have that mindset of, of hey, it's on us. Um, we can't let someone or wait for someone else to make a play. We got to make the play. Uh, so having that mindset, I think, is is important because um, sometimes they load the box and they take away Delvin. Uh, and we got to step up and we got to make the play. Um, and sometimes they, they do the other opposite, and, and <clears throat> Delvin has a big game. So uh, you never know when those opportunities are come. you got to be ready. Hey, the play don't care who make it. You know what I mean? The play don't care who make it. And there's going to be, what, one or two every single game that kind of separates everything. And before we let you go, back to your work day here, that is one of the cleanest hoodies I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, yeah. Really? Isn't that swaggy? There's, like, there's, uh, there's, some, there's some sick ones. So this company, it's actually a Minnesota company. And actually, out of Man- the guys are from Mankato, where I went to school. And uh, they're pretty sick. But they got, like, a black one. They got a, a gray one, an all-white one. There's, oh. there's- I'll get you guys hooked up. You guys need some swag. Uh, listen, if it's that one right there, I would wear it. Yeah. You know, I went to a high school that was purple and gold. You know what uh-huh. I mean? So that's where the ballers ball and the players play. And so I would definitely love that. It looks unbelievable. We'll pay for it, though. We'll support the biz. Speaking of the biz, how's your training facility going? I assume during the season you have to be kind of checked out for that thing. How's business going off the field? It's going really well. It's, it's, it's so fun to see those athletes uh, having success. So now it's kind of they're in their sports season. So uh, I see the different facilities posting about, um, you know, either individual athletes or teams that we train, you know, having success. So that's what I like to see. At the end of the day, uh, that's why we do it. We want these kids to, to have success, you know, on the field. You know, we're not training them for basketball or football. We're training them to become a better athlete. So when they go have success on the field or on the court or on the ice, it, it's pretty cool to see. Thielen, I know you only got like uh, a minute before you got to get to practice, but AJ and I were talking about this last week, and I think every good athlete in the history of athletics has said the solo focus in sports that some people push is so dumb. Could you imagine if you only played one sport growing up, how much less of an athlete you would be? I'm happy that seems like the tide has turned against that, but that is so stupid, so stupid. Well, first of all, did you call me an athlete? Hey, you're gritty. I, mean, I thought I was crafty. <laughs> You're right. That's interesting. What if he named? What if he named his athletic oh. gyms "Crafty Athlete You" or something Ooh. like that? Because that is little. What did you run a four? What? What did you run a four? What? Four, four, five. And Jesus. they're like, I, he's surprisingly quick. Mm, All right, surprisingly athlete. crafty. Before, before I, I do want to touch on that because I think it's important. I, I would not be in the NFL today. I would not even be close if it wasn't for me playing other sports. I played four sports all the way through high school. Um, I still say to this day, each one of them I use in my NFL career. Um, but basketball, probably one of the most important just because of the movements, the body control, 
um, you know, just having to adjust to the ball and things like that on the football field. I mean, a lot of my routes are, are basketball, you know, crossing a guy over, uh, doing things like that. So, um, yeah, four sports. I mean, it's I, as many sports you can play as a kid. I, I just I can't say it enough. I 100% agree. And, and talking about routes, are you always like experimenting and trying to figure out new ways to run routes? And like they show Hunter Renfro and these routes that he's running, how they pick them up. But are you always working on things like that? I am. Yeah, I think uh, that's more of like an OTA training camp thing where I'm trying to uh, do different things, but. But, uh, you know, honestly, sometimes in games it becomes hard because it's like things happen so fast. But um, I think the more patient you can be and you can actually uh, do some of those things, it, it's it's deadly on the field. What is it? Just a hezzy game? You just got to have a sick hezzy. That's what you got to do. You got to do a little head bob with these people. You got to be sudden. It's sudden. Like guys hey, like that lull you to sleep. Antonio Gates was that way. I don't know if you like what you think. See, Antonio Gates comes out, he looks all nonchalant, and then bam, he's breaking out so hard wherever sure. he's going. And it's because he's so subtle with it, and then boom, they're gone. You can't find him. I I, I look at Devonte Adams. I mean, the dude he comes oh, yeah. off this of kind of like a little hop and chill and pop. You know, it's in and that stuff is 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 absolutely deadly. Um, I love watching his releases and, and the way he plays the game. So that's that's the stuff that I try to take and and uh, apply to my game. Keep crushing it, brother. We appreciate the hell out of you. Good luck this weekend in Carolina, and that hoodie is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, the glue behind Kirk Cousins and Coach Zimmer, <laughs> wide receiver, all pro, Adam Thielen. Thank yeah! I am so sorry for interrupting, okay? There's a great conversation going on. Here I am interrupting that, but I want to let you know that I'd rather be caught dead than wear my favorite pair of sweats outside the house. Why is it that the clothes that are most comfortable are always the most unattractive. Is it too much to ask to be comfortable and confident at the same damn time? That's why you got to check out Public Rec. They make elevated athleisure wear into multidimensional sizes because they believe that comfort starts with a better fit. Their best-selling all-day, every-day pant is available in over 40 different sizing combinations and can fit men anywhere from 5'8", to nearly seven foot tall. Are you kidding me? A better fit is the secret to making these comfortable pants look good. Not your favorite lounge pants can also be your go-tos for work, happy hour, the gym. After a year at home, they are the pants you need now. They are the you need pants. They come in nine different colors, one for each day of the week and then some. These are always the top choice in our rotation and we've never had pants that fit this well. Don't feel sloppy and look damn good and be comfortable while doing it. Public Rep is here to help, and Public Rec rarely gives out discounts, but right now, they have an ex that's because their prices are so damn good to begin with. Right now, they have an exclusive offer just for listeners of this show. Go to publicrec.com, that's P-U-B-L-I-C-R-E-C.com, and use promo code PAT, and you'll get 10% off. That's publicrec.com, and use promo code PAT to get 10% off your new favorite pair of pants. They're comfortable, they're stylish, and they fit perfectly. Public Rec. Comfort and confidence all in one. Shout out to Public Rec. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Hockey's back. It was back last night. So pumped up about it because the Pittsburgh Penguins are undefeated. Yeah. The Vegas Golden Knights also undefeated. Yeah. And the Seattle Kraken as an organization have never won a fucking game. Dude. Yikes. Shout out to the ESPN era of the NHL. And Turner, I believe, is tonight. 
Yep, TNT tonight. Okay, here we go. Biz, Gretzky, and the boys. I All saw right. Mark Messier almost break the desk outside of the uh, the rink. I don't know if you guys Whoa. saw that. No, what did he do? No, he's, he was on there with uh, Chelios, I believe. Oh, yeah. Chris. And uh, Levy. And uh, Barry Melrose. Barry Melrose. Oh, Barry? That's a good group. Hey, Barry had the uh, uh-huh. this thing well. was full back. Hope Barry's okay. Uh, love Barry, absolutely. But Mark Messier, yeah, in the middle of it, he was. Uh, I don't think he was being talked to. He leaned on the table, and that the whole left side of the table popped up like this. And then you saw him put it back down, and boom, right back down. And he's oh. And then he went back and did that thing. You know, they're working it out. First day on... Uh, That's Mess, baby. He's got some most dangerous elbows in the game. Hey, so he was a great leader, huh? The Mark Messier Leadership uh-huh. Award. is He's like the uh, Walter Payton of the NHL. Is that kind of what it is? That's his thing. It's like when Gretzky left, Messier stepped up, and he was the guy. He was the captain. And then he went to New York. He captained them to a Stanley Cup, their first Stanley Cup in like 50 years. He's That's his deal. I don't think I know enough, enough about old Mark Messier. Whenever he... Bop that table though. I was like, all right, here's my guy. And oh, yeah. Chelios, what? He was uh, Chelios, a little bit of a scrappy guy, right? Oh yeah, Chicago legend, Blackhawks legend. Oh yeah, Chelios, Red Wing legend. No, Blackhawks, Blackhawks. Anyways, it was great to see hockey on a sports channel. You know that was yeah. good news. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to love it. There's a lot to go on in the world that we're in. Joining us now is a college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, and a man who called me a bad husband yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Yeah. That's false. That is absolutely false. You, you know that. I'm you, sorry that you took it that way, but hey, I, I appreciate you putting it out there. Let's figure it out. Well, you alluded to me being a bad husband, and then I had to remember about the four agreements, dude. That's right. Don't take anything personally. <laughs> yeah. It's this one right here. I mean, Who would have known? You see, this is why Aaron started this, because he knew it's going to help out so many people. In the moment, it didn't. I was like, oh, fuck off, AJ. How about that? <laughs> that that's literally how I was at the bar. They called me a bad husband. What's this all about out of nowhere? Uh, but then I remembered the four agreements on life, and it's great to have you uh, as it is every single day. AJ, did you watch any hockey last night? No. I saw a little bit. I didn't sit down and, like, it, you know, turn on and watch from start to finish, but I checked in a few times, yeah. Looks cool. I wanted to see what it was like on ESPN, how, how the feel was. It felt like there's a lot of energy in the uh, in those, what do you call them, in the barns? In the barns, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh-huh. the ice in the middle of the barn dire. Yeah, you know what it is. Tampa Bay, good good hockey town. I mean, it's not hockey town like Pittsburgh, but I think this is good for the sport because ESPN covered it all day yesterday. There's people that know nothing about hockey on ESPN talking about hockey yesterday. And there's going to be a lot of hockey people who are like, oh, why is this fucking person talking about hockey? It's like, it's growing the game. All right, mm-hmm. let's not, you can't, beggars can't be choosers out here. There's only some people that are at some network, so you're not going to get all the hockey experts maybe talking about hockey all day, but I hope the hockey community knows that this is good for hockey. They don't. They don't appreciate it at all. And then, like, all the new camera angles ESPN tried last night, it's like it's good to see that them they're at least trying something. You may not like it initially, but give it a chance. If it doesn't work, they'll move away from it. I thought the hockey community would hate it because it's yeah. better. Everything's better. Like, mm. the Stadium Series camera, I've been talking about this for years in the hockey world, and we talk a lot of hockey today, and mostly because the only football stories were all drama yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> basically we're in the middle of football season so it's like all right maybe we don't do that but in the stadium series the pens played in a lot of them because Sidney crosby's greatest player to ever play so they would put him obviously in the biggest uh, stadiums and stages everywhere and they would have a sky cam just like in football that would be flying behind and it was as if you were a part of the team skating down and you could see plays develop and you're able to see shots as opposed to just waiting and looking for where the puck goes i thought it was beautiful and i said on the show immediately after him how come we can't get that in arenas we have the capabilities to do it i got killed by the hockey community i mean i got absolutely 
killed by the hockey community for even asking for such a thing to change the game completely. I'm happy ESPN's doing it. And by the way, watching it in the arena last night, it looked awesome. Yeah. It looked like I was about to score a fucking goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning last night, AJ. It was awesome. Well, isn't the NHL and just hockey in general, aren't they uh, like resistant to change? They don't want people yeah. coming in and like putting their spin on. That's what makes hockey special, I think. Like that's that's definitely part of it, like the the history, the tradition that they take with it, but also you gotta you gotta evolve and, and with the times. If there's better ways to watch it, if you can get more eyeballs on the sport, absolutely give it a shot. What's football when you break it down? What blocking, tackling, catching, kicking, throwing, throwing. running. That's about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know what hockey is? What's that? <laughs> doesn't matter how you cover it, doesn't matter how many sky cams there are. At the end of the day, it skates on ice, sticks on puck. That's right. Boom. Pucks on net. Pucks on net, sticks on ice. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And I don't care how you show it. If you're going to give me more information from the way that you cover it via Skycam, if you're going to display it more often, I'm a fan of it. And I can't wait to see the dangles in the 8K, you know? Oh, when, yeah. when Sydney gets off the uh, the, the, the disabled the DL. list. DL, yeah. The physically unable to perform list. Pop yep. list. You the, just scratched. Scratch, yeah. Scratch, scratch. So you're yeah. thinking uh, AK camera guy on ice? Yeah. I'm thinking AK guy hanging like Chris Angel. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Going, did you see that? We talked about that in the first hour, obviously. I saw your that. tweet. Didn't you? No, I didn't see you talk about Chris Angel in this. I saw your tweet when you, I think you had some commentary over it. It was one of my favorite videos you made. Yeah, they had the cover over his head. He was, he was dead. <laughs> This is insane. Like these are the things, though, that Vegas brings to the sports world <laughs> that never have been seen before. You know, like Jackson Deville or whatever, the uh, mascot for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He bungee jumps off the top of the stadium with the game ball every single game. It's awesome. I always think to myself, how come there isn't more of this in between quarters, where whether it's either the surprise home or the kick or the punt catch or whatever it is, it's always good for the live entertainment. Vegas is taking it another level. We did not get to the bottom of this. We would like somebody who was potentially in the stadium to let us know. Did they say he only had 40 seconds to get out or he will die right in front of them? Did that happen? or what was the sense of urgency? Was there any, AJ, you think? Well, maybe it was the sense of urgency that both teams are going to come back from the locker room, they're going to start the game, and this guy didn't want to be dangling from there and have a ball hit him in the balls or something? So I once punted a ball two times, actually, and hit the Skycam wire in the game. In the game, wow. So they they blow it dead and you do it again? No, no, it just broke up the ball, made it look terrible, and it went short and was nasty, and I had to eat that on my stats, and then I had to tell everybody, no, I hit the fucking thing. Like, it looked like it broke up. We didn't know what happened or whatever because it's so small, the cables, you know? Yeah. And I think that happens a couple times. For me, it was only two, once in college, once in the NFL, and the, the controllers of those things are very talented. I oh, mean, yeah. they are very, very talented, especially now versus what it was like when I was in college, let alone when I was there. Could you imagine trying to miss a Chris Angel hanging from a, from oh, a fucking middle of the stadium? You try it. Oh, my God. How would you not? How yeah. would you not hit him in his knee pads on his football pants? <laughs> you might knock him out, though. I have no idea. He's lucky he got out of there. He's because hey, AJ Cole has a big leg, the punter. Uh-huh. He could have been teeing off on old Chris Angel's ball sack up there. I still think it was. Hey, listen, Chris. Once halftime is over, if you're not out of this thing, we're going to fucking drop you on the 50-yard line and your body's going to explode like a sack of potatoes. Did everybody think that was happening? I think they said that over the PA system. Because there has to be some sort of... That's magic. Yeah, there has to be some sort of, if you don't do this, 
consequences. Than this. Yes, yes, thank you. And we, then that led to a Walenda family conversation because there's no consequences for them anymore. They just get the bungee jump over cool shit. It's bullshit. You know? Yeah, they just walk carrying a big pole. And then and a Bible. In a bot with them the whole time? I, I don't know if the Bible is... There's two of them because I think they have to be balanced. Yeah. yeah. He recites yeah. Bible verses as he's walking. And as he, he does this, it actually is turning the pages yeah. of the Bible on that side. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's, there's nothing wrong with him having God with him, especially two no. versions of the book, whatever he's yeah, doing. True. But I just would like them to stop lying to us. I don't think Chris Angel would ever lie to us. I was at one of his shows in Vegas. He forced me into a standing ovation, which I found pretty clever. Uh, he forced <laughs> us. He said he's not going to end the show until everybody's on their feet yelling. And he had a saw the size of an F-150 turning very quickly and that thing cut a woman right in half and then uh, show is over and literally that was it and we had to stand and clap for that and then they came out and took a photo from behind him and the lady was cut in half and he was yeah Chris Angel you know the whole thing and then there's me and AQ clapping because we were we were kind of forced to do it. So Chris Angel's an OG in this game, man. He's an OG. That mind freak show. Uh, yeah. That's a heck of a move. I know you've talked about it before. I saw Chris Angel on one of the shows that he had. I don't know what channel it was. A&E. He was with Shaquille O'Neal, and he turned Shaq into like a hot air balloon, and Shaq was flying through the air. Whoa. That's wild. That would have freaked really? my mind, dude. That would have freaked yeah. my mind. Oh, yeah. Pretty That's cool. Point. That's, That's the point, point of mind freak. I mean, yeah. How about when he picked up that one half a body on one bench and then ran it, ran it down to another person's legs? And then he took that person's body and ran it back to another bench on somebody else's legs. Really? And then he did one more oh, of those yeah. things. Yeah, and there was people around that saw it and they witnessed it. He did that on My Freak on A&E. Yeah. That was insane. I saw him push a hot sauce bottle through a wooden table at a restaurant. The people, no. around, the people around him almost damn near killed him. Here's him moving bodies around yeah. in a park. Nobody's <laughs> saying anything. I remember this one. I saw this. <laughs> yeah. How did he do this? How? Because he's fucking Chris he's, Angel. He's hey, if this lady's out there, could she call in the show, please? I'd like to hear about it. And we'd also like your your footage, if possible. Yeah. You know, this particular lady right here who... By the way, look at the people running for their lives. I guess I yeah. would, too, if yeah. I saw a guy yeah. in plain T affliction pants cutting humans in half and running them around a park bench to park bench. I guess I'd be losing my mind, too. Hey, do you have to get some kind of permit from the city? I know if you want to like perform and put a bucket out and make some money, you have to get a permit. You have to tell them, like, hey, man, I'm going to be sawing people in half and sliding around the benches. Don't let anyone freak if out If the cop me. showed up, he would just disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that is. Dust the cop soil. actually potentially, his bulletproof vest on top is going to be with a new pair of pants on the bottom for somebody <laughs> else around the park. And uh, cops know, you can't fuck with no, Chris no, Angel. No, yeah, you don't fuck with the mind freak. He plays by his own set of rules. All right. <laughs> Okay. We probably shouldn't be even talking about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He might. He might. If just he just pop. showed up, that'd be fucking insane. Oh my god! <laughs> Sitting right there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We should think about that for the future. Let him know we're having this conversation, uh, so he could just do his little mind freak thing and show up here. Maybe mm -hmm. hang from the roof of the Coliseum. <laughs> oh my god! See if he can do it all right. at all times. All right. Welcome well, he, back to the show. He escaped. Now let's talk about some <laughs> sports here. Uh, He's still up there. Adam Thielen's joining us at two oh five. Very nice, nice of him to reschedule. I think. He had to do a little extra work at practice. What's that mean, AJ? Is he not confident to get punished, or he just wants to get better and better only on week six? Yeah, I don't know. What is the extra jugs machine, you think? Is he trying to polish up those hands? I'm not 100% sure. I do believe we made that up in the back room for why he was late. I, I heard uh, Zimmer had him on the jugs for an extra 30 after practice. That's, that could be wrong. Geez. That is what Zito told me. Zito said, not going to be able to get the deal, and he had extra work at practice with uh, Zimmer on the jugs or something like that. And I just, I was like, really? Like, that actually happened? He's like, I think so. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right, good. Maybe Zimmer came out, like, in a singlet, and he had to challenge everybody to a wrestling match because he was so juiced up after oh. fighting Kirk on the side. He's like, hey, me and 
Kirk. <laughs> actually, he and Kirk both were wearing singlets, and they took the whole team on one by one because they wanted to prove everybody how tough they were. They are a nice little tag team, though. Look at those two. I love it. I think it's a turning point in their in their relationship. I think so too. They're watching film together, allegedly. You know, one person behind some plexiglass. Yep. You know, one person not on the other side. They're watching film for the first time together. They're punching each other in celebration. They're coming out, both of them saying, no, we're actually just, man, you guys think we hate each other. Then we have a moment that's actually good. Now you guys think we hate each other even more. It's not just us, though. There were some teammates and people in there that were like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Are these guys about to really throw hands with each other? I I agree. I think it is a moment that they'll maybe look back on and say, hey, our relationship really took a step that day. Now they have to win if they lose. I mean, they're going to hate each other forever regardless. I mean, that's how it goes. And maybe that's all misconstrued anyways, but winning cures all, especially if you're going to punch each other in the face in public and people are going to talk about it. <laughs> I hope it becomes a thing. Like after every big big touchdown pass Kirk throws, we just watch and they, they zero in. They go right to Zimmer on the sideline and they see what's going to happen. Bro, what if they fucking... What if they fucking... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bro, could you Please. imagine they lock Is up? Is it Kirk at- a wrestling fan? Uh, I'd assume everybody's a wrestling fan. Kirk has a big brain. Yeah, he's probably a wrestling fan. Zimmer wait wait till the audio gets released. And Zimmer's like, and it's actually like, Zimmer's like, get away from me, dude. You're not vaccinated. That scene that people were saying that is what he said, actually. Yeah. With his eyes. Whoa. Because his eye, he was like happy, and then he, it seemed like Zimmer did not know. Now, he said very differently that he was a part of it the entire time. It was his celebration and everything like that. You like that? Shove me, and I shoved him back. It's all good. It seemed like from watching it, though, there might have been a moment where Zimmer did not expect the amount of ferocity that was coming out of the mm-hmm. you like that. And I wonder if Zimmer did have a moment like, am I fighting this motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, I will. And then there was like, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, we're in this thing together, and then kind of loses his mind. I think it's good for the team. We'll talk to Thielen about that at 205. Chuck Pagano will join us in about 10 minutes. There's some other NFL stuff we should talk about. Tom Brady on his uh, show called Let's Go, which is also on – Sirius XM Channel 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Mad Dog Sports Radio, founded by Chris Mad Dog Russo. Uh, He's not happy, I don't think, that Tom Brady's Let's Go is on uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Because Chris Mad Dog Russo actually came out and said, I'll promote it once I get a thank you. I love that. I absolutely love that. But anyways, The Greatest of All Time has a show weekly on Sirius XM. It's called Let's Go. It's with Jim Gray, the man who is sitting next to Tom Brady's mother, rubbing her shoulders. He's a legendary journalist who's been around a long time, obviously has a great amount of trust from the Brady family. It's he. I think Larry Fitzgerald was going to be on it. I don't know if he still is. I've only seen some clips. But Tom Brady yesterday talked about his relationship with Antonio Brown. And I really enjoy hearing this type of thing, especially for Antonio Brown, who we all got to witness at a very low place. Antonio Brown, who is living in our house in Tampa, by the way, yeah. AB's become like a little brother to me, Brady said. A brother to me. Sorry, not little brother. Just to watch him, what's happened over the course of his life the last 18 months, and to see kind of where he was at and where he's at now makes me so happy for him. He's done the work. He's put the work in. We're all challenged in different ways on and off the field. Sometimes football comes really easy, but the successes of football become a little more challenging to deal with. He's really done an amazing job in his own life getting back to what the real purpose of it is. He would also go on to say about Antonio Brown, about how good he is and how his football intelligence, he loves playing football. He's a football genius. It's hard to explain to people, and I'm someone who's been around some amazing players, it's hard to explain to others the way he sees the game versus everybody else. He's truly a one-of-a-kind a one of a kind person and talent, and I've obviously admired him so much for what he did in Pittsburgh, blah, blah, blah. He continued to talk 
glowingly about Antonio Brown. This comes after Antonio Brown had a sick touchdown against the Dolphins, a couple of them, I think. And the relationship, obviously, between Tom and Antonio is the reason why I think A.B. got another shot in the league and why A.B. is potentially in Tampa Bay and maybe why A.B. has turned around his entire life, which we all got to witness publicly that was very bad. I'm excited for him, thankful for him, and this is what the NFL is all about. You know, two people that are nothing alike taking care of each other almost. That's, that's the greatness of the NFL. Oh, my God. I mean, it's great to see. There was a time for sure where weren't people wondering if A.B. was ever going to be back in the league. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's going to give him a shot. Like, what team will sign this guy after everything? Yeah, there was insane stories coming out. You know, the bag of dicks that was thrown. Uh-huh. I mean. Then there were some very yeah. serious allegations that were mm-hmm. taken, like very, very serious allegations. And then the court case, and then the, there was a lot of stuff going on. And it was very apparent, I think, by everybody who potentially didn't just automatically bury Antonio Brown. They said, hey, something's wrong here. Like, something's wrong. I think he had a meeting. I think he went to some therapy. I don't know. I don't. There was some court regular mandatory therapy and everything like that. Turned his whole thing around. He, I think he went down and chatted with Dion a couple of times. He got some good mentorship. And then obviously Tom Brady looking out for him. And to be clear, we all understand that if Antonio Brown was not incredible at football, none of this would happen. Okay? Be who you can afford to be is obviously a situation. But it's nice when something good happens to somebody who even happens to be elite and is getting opportunities that maybe other people wouldn't be able to after situations happen. It's great to see him all the way back. I fucking love watching him play football, dude. He's so good. He's still so explosive. How old is he right now? Do we know? He's got to be 31, maybe? Yeah, that's right. He's so explosive, so quick and fast. And he, I think Tom hits on something there when he says like he's a football genius. AB seems to have such great instincts. He has such a good feel for like where the open space are, where I need to sit down, how do I work off of leverage. And on top of that, the dude is absolutely fearless. Like I think that's what makes him so special. And I guess he works. Like everywhere he's been, people are like, this guy does not stop working. It's almost like too much. Like he runs too many extra routes, too many sprints. He's like, I'm too committed. I care too much. Like how people say yeah. that actually is the case from all stops, by the way. Pittsburgh, Raiders, I think New England, and then down in Tampa, everybody that I've talked to behind the scenes, like that dude never stops whenever, never stops. So good for him turning his life around and good for Tom Brady getting a chance to have that guy as the third option. Unbelievable. We got to get to a break. Joining us on the other side is we have breaking news. Let's go ahead and pause this. Chuck Pagano is supposed to join us. Colts wide receiver T.Y. Hilton will return to practice today and is eligible to play as soon as Sunday versus the Texans. Houston, you have a problem! (laughs) Okay, the ghost nickname was founded because what T.Y. Hilton would do to the Houston Texans, he would disappear and vanish behind their coverage. Every single time we played Houston, T.Y. would have... 7,000 yards and four touchdowns. And somebody described him. He's like a ghost. We can't find him. And then all of a sudden, the ghost nickname became the thing. T.Y.'s a stud. T.Y. will help out this offense immensely. Hopefully, Carson coming off his best game now gets his best weapon. This is good news for the one and four Colts. And Jim Irsay, he's putting out tweets saying, hey, we need to win multiple Lombardis around here. This is good news, AJ. Hey, I know he and T.Y. are close. You think that... T.Y. saw that tweet, and he's like, all right, I'm getting back out there. I need to be on the practice field today. My, my boss needs me. I had some sources tell me that look for T.Y. potentially earlier than later in those oh. projections. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know how real that meant, especially when you're talking about rehabbing an injury or whatever, but it seemed like there was optimism around some people that were potentially around the Colts. Now we know he's back in practice. That's great news for everybody in Indianapolis. One in four, will we be able to dig out of that hole here for the Colts, for the shoe, for Jim Irsay, 
for the city of Indianapolis. Who knows? Can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you let us be a part of your day-to-day, I am eternally grateful for. There's a lot of shit you could listen to. The fact you let us be the ones and the shit that you listen to today and most other days. I'm thankful. The boys are thankful. Everybody. Eternally grateful. Use hashtag PMSJimmy's50. Take a picture of where you're listening and what you're doing. You could enter in to win one of the 50 customized boxes that Jimmy's Seafood will be delivering nationwide, being paid for by me because the Colts lost to the Ravens. We'll also be giving another $5,000 in boxes to the Baltimore first responders. Um, it's just, it's a wild life. It's a crazy life. Thank you for joining us on this incredible ride. Be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Wednesday night. We're back tomorrow for risk-free. Same game, parlay, Thursday night football Thursday. Cheers.